to On Air with Clean Air Council. I'm your host, Katie Edwards. Today, we're discussing the effects of secondhand smoke for those of us living in multi-unit apartment buildings and what we can do to ensure that the air inside of our homes is safe to breathe. For many years, a chief complaint call to the Clean Air Council would involve secondhand smoke exposure. For example, my neighbor is smoking in the middle of the night and somehow it's getting into my apartment. I'm having trouble breathing. What can I do? Secondhand smoke is the smoke from burning tobacco products like cigarette, cigar, pipe, and hookah. Adult exposure to secondhand smoke has immediate effects on the cardiovascular system and can eventually cause heart disease and lung cancer. For children, the effects are likewise detrimental with acute respiratory infections compounded with asthma symptoms present. In a 2006 report, the Surgeon General declared that there are no safe levels of secondhand smoke exposure. In a multi-unit housing setting, many individuals can be exposed to secondhand smoke, not just the people living together in the same unit or apartment. Today, we have two representatives from the Thomas Wynn Apartment Organization to discuss their journey towards smoke-free living at the apartments for health and safety of staff, tenants, family, and visitors. Please welcome Kathy Moulton, President of Thomas Wynn Apartments, and Katherine Wilcox, Leasing Manager of Thomas Wynn Apartments. Thanks for being here with us today. Can you tell us about yourselves and your relationship to Thomas Wynn Apartments? I'm Kathy Moulton, and I'm the president of the organization. I'm the third generation to work for the family business that was built by my grandfather. I was not planning on joining the family business. At the time, I was training to work in the embassy in Moscow, but learned that my then-husband would not have done a good job staying there. So right at the time that I got the job, my grandfather passed away, and as I said, he built the apartment house, and it created a lot of upheaval in the family, and I realized that I probably should stay close to home and help with my grandmother and my father as they dealt with the transition. And I've been there ever since. It's been 23 years now. Hi, nice to be here. Uh, my name is Katherine Wilcox. I am the property manager at Thomas Wynn Apartments. I've been there for about nine years and I have been the manager for almost five years now. I actually started working there because of my family, although in a little bit of a different way. My grandfather was actually a resident there, and they had an opening for a job on the weekend. My kids were very young at the time, so I just worked there on the weekends. Didn't really think it would turn into a full career, but it has, and I'm glad for that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the apartments themselves? We're located in Wynwood, Pennsylvania, which is about 25 minutes outside of Philadelphia. We have 218 apartments, and we have about 500 residents. So jumping into the reason we're here today, I want to ask you about how the apartments were before you went smoke-free. Was there a smoking issue at Thomas Wynn? Did people ever complain about secondhand smoke? We were very lucky that we actually had a very small number of smokers. Before we went smoke-free, we probably had six or eight apartment units that had smokers in them. It was something we had never really had too many issues with until COVID hit in March of 2020. And that sort of brought the issue of smoking in apartments to the surface because people were home all day. 
So people who were previously smoking outside of the building because they were at work or going elsewhere were now smoking in their apartment all day. And people who had not smelled it before because they were out during the day were working at home. And that's really what caused us to look into this seriously. Because as I said, there weren't a lot of smokers, so I wouldn't say it was a widespread issue in the building. But this is when residents sort of started to complain in higher numbers. I can also imagine because COVID is a respiratory disease that people were, you know, caring a lot more about what they were breathing at the time. I think you're definitely right. Kathy and I had discussed that earlier that people were on high alert for their respiratory health at the time. Did you get complaints from tenants about the one that I described in the intro? People calling like someone smoking, I can't breathe. It's really bothering me. Yes, definitely. It's interesting because you were talking about it, I think at night that people were trying to sleep and they were smelling it. That was our biggest issue, actually, that people felt like they were sleeping, waking up and smelling or breathing in the smoke. Right. Even for some of our residents on the patio units would go outside and smoke to be caring to their interior environment. But that smoke would waft up to the other neighbors who had their windows open on a nice day. And they feel like they couldn't enjoy their home any longer, you know, because somebody was smoking several floors below. So before you passed your smoke-free policy, what would you do about these complaints? So I would contact people who were smokers. Most of our residents are very nice. We have a very neighborly building. No one wanted to make their neighbors upset. Truthfully, they really didn't. So I would contact them and say, your, your neighbor below you or above you. We tended to have vertical complaints, actually. That's something to note. It, it wasn't really adjacent units. It was usually the unit above that was being impacted by the smoker below. So I would contact them and I would say, is there anything you can do? And similar to what Kathy mentioned with the patios, sometimes people would smoke at their windows because they thought that that was going to have the smoke go outside and not seep back into the hallway which was considerate of them, but if the resident above them had their windows open, it was just going right into their apartment. So I would contact them and I would say, could you try to limit how much smoke is leaving your apartment? It's impacting your neighbor above. We sometimes would provide the smoker and the recipient of the secondhand smoke with air purifiers to see if that would help. And it did to an extent, but it obviously wasn't a permanent solution. Yeah, I live in a unit that is right on a block and it's very heavily trafficked and I'm on the second floor and I can smell people smoking as they walk by. So it's just this odor and this pollution that really permeates and it it can see the people in units above really being affected by that. You kind of talked about the process you went through, giving people air purifiers. Did any of that work? It worked to an extent, but I think, again, as we mentioned, that people were home all day smoking, and air purifier can't keep up with that. It's just too much. If it was what you had mentioned, someone passing on the street, that might help. But to live over a heavy smoker, it's just not going to be enough. Yeah, I agree. So how did you learn about Clean Air Council and our smoke-free multi-unit housing initiative? We actually heard about the Clean Air Council from one of our residents. She did the research because she was having a vertical smoke complaint from her neighbor below. And God bless her, she found the Clean Air Council as a resource for us and gave us the material, the links, and put us in touch with the Clean Air Council directly. 
I have to plug our program manager here, Therm Brenlinger, who does all of the smoke-free multi-unit housing and all of our tobacco work. So I'm really glad you guys could link up with Therm. So once you did, what was the process you went through to decide how you were going to go smoke-free, when you were going to go smoke-free, and how did you get the residents on board? So Thurman called me to get the ball rolling, which was very helpful. I had never heard of the Clean Air Council, actually. So he invited us on to some Zoom calls, and we heard from other buildings who had already instituted a smoke-free policy. So it was helpful to listen to their experience to hear what had worked and what hadn't worked. He also advised us to pay close attention to the weather. We had first gotten in touch with him maybe in the summer of 2020, and then we seriously considered changing the policy going into the fall. But he advised us to wait until the spring so that we could give people a little bit of time to adjust to the idea and also to encourage people to go outside to smoke, and they possibly wouldn't want to do that in snowy January and February weather. So that was something we hadn't considered. So that was great to have his advice on that. And then I think we just started formulating the lease and the dates from that point on. You sort of took the lead with the lease language, which was very extensive. Yes, it's always important to get that legal piece correct from the get-go. Making sure that we had the lease, that it was consistent both in the body of the lease and the rules and regulations, that was important making sure that we were addressing the lease language in our renewals that were going out to our residents so that they knew that, you know, effective March 1st, the date that we selected, that there would be no more smoking inside the building, even in their own units. That was important. One of the things that we did, going back to your question of process, we consistently have a weekly meeting with myself our resident manager, Catherine, and also our maintenance manager, Harry. And we do that every single week because so many issues impact the other department. And so we're able to work collaboratively to identify the best solutions from both the resident and the maintenance point of view. It's interesting how smoke can impact the wear and tear on the furniture in the lobby. Somebody who's a heavy smoker who sits in a particular chair can stain that chair just because they have the tar on their clothing. We've had units that were really severely impacted by cigarette smoke because of the tar buildup on the blinds, on the counters, on the walls. In the most extreme sense, I've been in units where the resident has moved out and you could see precisely where Pictures were hung, and in really extreme cases, you could see exactly where the metal wires were that would hang those pictures because there were different gradations of tar staining. In the worst case scenario, in a building that we used to own, you could see the swirls of smoke, the air pattern, on all of the walls. It was sticky to touch any surface throughout the unit, the cabinets, inside the kitchen cabinets. It was everywhere. There is nothing to do with a unit that's that severely damaged by tar except to rip it out or to wash down the walls with TSP, which is a cleaning solution. I think the easiest way to think about it for people who don't work in property management is to think of baking soda. And so you would wash the walls down in this baking soda-like solution that's called TSP, 
and then it has to be rinsed down and then primed and then painted. So it adds an enormous amount to your painting cost. And painting is one of the larger costs of a unit, especially if it's a large one. Yes, and you almost always have to follow the TSP cleaning with an oil priming, which has a very strong odor. And if you're lucky, you can get away with one coat of oil priming. Sometimes you have to do two. So you're adding two full coats of painting to an entire unit, which is going to possibly double, triple your costs as to what a normal unit's painting would be. Mm-hmm. Just talking about the tar on the walls and the the surfaces, it's amazing because you can imagine what it's doing to people's lungs and people's tissues. I mean, it's an epidemic. It's really unfortunate. It is. And I know from walking those units, we have felt dirty, really, and we could feel it in our lungs. We're, we're just so unaccustomed to smoke at this point. For those of you not familiar with us, Clean Air Council is a member-supported nonprofit dedicated to protecting everyone's right to a healthy environment. The council is headquartered in Philadelphia and works through public education, community advocacy, and government oversight to ensure enforcement of environmental laws. For more information, please visit cleanair.org. When you finally set your smoke-free date and you communicated it with the residents, did you get any pushback? Not too much. We did contact every smoker with an individual letter that we had written to them, so there was no surprises. They weren't getting a you know generic letter, and I think that was helpful. We tried to be very flexible with them. We did tell some people, if you think this isn't something that you're going to be able to accomplish, walking outside and smoking in a designated smoking area, we told them that we would be willing to let them out of their lease. And we framed it to them in such a way that we were concerned for them because we were worried that if they broke the policy and continued to smoke in their apartment, the other residents around them would be almost harassing them to stop smoking. And I don't want anyone to have to live in in that kind of situation where they're unable to stop smoking in their unit and then they're getting all of this negative feedback constantly about it. I don't think that would be a very pleasant way to live in your home. When we sent the letters to all the smokers in the building, we actually included a couple pamphlets on local smoking cessation programs if they were interested. And we gave them information about the Clean Air Council so that they had the resources to reach out further if they wanted to try to use this as a a motivator to quit smoking. So let's talk about some of the positives on how it's worked out for you going smoke-free. I think one of the positives for us that we didn't expect was that it helped us to really focus on beautifying our outdoor areas in a way that we hadn't considered before the pandemic. We were very proactive in looking for where our residents were smoking, those who were already making efforts to smoke outdoors. We looked for not only where we saw them visually, but where we were picking up cigarette butts. What we did was made sure that we were creating attractive and comfortable areas that were close to those areas where they were naturally smoking, but removed from the building. We wanted to mimic their existing patterns, but just move them away from the building so that our residents who weren't smokers didn't have to walk through a cloud of smoke to get into the building. That was important to us. And when I say that we wanted to make those areas attractive, 
We put up nice park benches. We put in smoking urns or containers. We put pavers down where needed. We installed some flower beds here and there. We really tried to make it look attractive so that it wasn't a place where we were shunning some of our residents, but we were making a nice place for them so they felt that it was an added amenity. We have a few designated smoking areas around the property. We're lucky that we have a pretty large property and we're able to find spots that are located at least 40 feet away from the building. But each spot has a smoking urn that's filled with sand in the bottom. And ideally someone puts their cigarette butt in the urn and the sand puts it out so it's not just sitting on the ground smoking and causing further odor. We have at least one or two benches as well next to those smoking urns. And we also have some landscaping and and some, some other nice features around there as well. We don't have any shelters. We've thought about that for rainy weather, but that really hasn't seemed to have come up as a request yet. We did put them under trees. We did, yes, because we wanted to think about the hot weather and shade. So that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. So did the active smokers kind of appreciate this change? How how did they treat it? I think that they did appreciate the change. It was interesting that some of our non-smokers felt that we did such a good job of creating attractive designated smoking areas that the non-smokers became jealous of the smoking environment outdoors. And so they were asking for similarly attractive areas for the non-smokers. And there was a bit of a attractive war going on, Uh, you know, who got the better park bench, but uh, we've worked out those, we've worked out those kinks since then. It has led to a lot more outdoor seating for us overall, which has been a positive for the building in general. That brings me right into my next question. What benefits have you seen from going smoke-free? Well, first of all, it's something that people ask me almost all the time when they're inquiring about potentially living in the building. Previously, I tried to make it sound as good as possible. I used to have to say there's no smoking in any of our common areas, but residents can smoke in their own units. And for some people, that's a complete turnoff and they no longer have interest in the building. It's very nice now to answer the question and just say, we are a smoke-free building. There's no caveats. And that's a very nice feeling to give people the answer that they're looking for with that. And I think it's made us more attractive in general for people who are looking to lease an apartment. Do you think you've had better retention since this process? I think so. Retention is something that I track really closely. The apartment business, generally speaking, has a 50% average turnover rate per year. So you're releasing half of your units every single year. We've consistently, even before this, maintained a 25% turnover rate. And during COVID, we've had an 11% rate, a 17% rate, and a 18% turnover rate. So we've really boosted our retention rates, and we're very happy about that. Because that keeps our costs down, and we've been able to transfer that to our employees who work really hard in the building. But I would say that overall, there's just a healthier feeling about the building, and it definitely feels cleaner and lighter I agree. Showing apartments is a lot easier. I used to dread going down a smoker's hallway when I was showing a prospect an apartment because sometimes, especially if they were smoking right then and there, it could be really strong in the hallway. And it's really nice to just know that you're not going to encounter that when you're um, creating the building's first impression to someone new. I did want to add, because you made me think of it, Katie, that we just had a smoker move into the building last month 
And we let her know about the smoke-free policy. And she said, oh, well, that's okay. I need to cut back and, uh, you know, I should spend more time outside anyway. So she knew that she would have to make some adjustments. And since she's moved in, she said that she has stopped smoking for the most part while she's in her unit, that she still smokes when she's working. But when she returns to the building, it's just such a great atmosphere that she doesn't feel the need to smoke any longer. So I hope that continues for her. Oh, that's an incredible story. That's exactly what we want to see from these policies. They're multi-pronged. They're going to help the environment. They're going to help health. They're going to help aesthetics. So it's, it's wonderful to see and hear that. So kind of switching gears for a second, Clean Air Council provides ongoing support with peer-to-peer Zoom with other housing professionals. Has that helped your process? Yes, it definitely helped us in the process early on when we weren't smoke-free yet, but we were thinking about implementing the policy soon. What I found most helpful was how people dealt with violations of the policy. I wasn't quite sure how to handle that. I didn't know how upset non-smokers would get and how upset smokers would get. It was nice to hear the perspective of someone who had already gone through it. I thought that was really valuable. It wasn't something we had ever tried to undertake before. And just hearing others' firsthand experiences, I think, gave us an edge that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't worked with the Cleaner Council on those Zoom calls. I agree with everything that Catherine just said. And I would also add that it was especially helpful to hear Thurman's feedback backed up by other property managers that you do not want to grandfather smokers into this policy. That's something that we were very accustomed to doing when we had changed policies in the past. And Thurman strongly advised against that. And after giving it more thought and after listening with some of the other property managers, we realized that it was not a kindness to the smokers or the non-smokers to grandfather somebody in. Somebody would feel harassed. Somebody would feel picked on or left out or their lifestyle has been negatively impacted. And so we just went cold turkey, so to speak, and uh, made the switch in one shot. And I think it was to everyone's benefit. That's excellent advice. Is there other advice you can give about going smoke-free? Give yourself plenty of time. Give the smokers plenty of notice. Maybe your building isn't the right fit for them, and that's okay. But I think giving people lots of notice, they appreciated it. I think they liked that they knew what was coming. We did create the nice areas for them, so that helped as well. I think that's really important that if you're sort of forcing people to make a change, that you help facilitate that change for them. I agree with everything that Catherine said, and I would add, be flexible and be kind. I think that if you can approach every one of your residents, whether they're smokers or non-smokers, with a sense of kindness and a helpful attitude, then you're all going to reach a better conclusion in the short term and the long term. So it may be something that's uncomfortable to a landlord, like letting them out of their lease a little bit early without penalty. But if that's the best resolution for everybody in your community, then do that. It's much easier to let somebody out of their lease and replace them with a non-smoker who is happy to live in that environment than to have a battle of wills over smoking. Along the same vein, what actions would you recommend for people who live in multi-unit housing and they want the units to go smoke-free, but they're not sure how to approach building management? I think they should follow one of our residents, Leah's example, and recommend the Clean Air Council, frankly, to their management. 
and I'm not saying this just because I'm here, but being given a resource like the Clean Air Council just helped us to get started on the right footing from the get-go. It was a wonderful resource from a practical management, from a management perspective, from a legal perspective. It touched on all of the areas that we needed to deal with very, very quickly. So what a handy and helpful resource to be given. It goes back to that old adage, don't just tell me a problem, but give me a solution to a problem. You're much more likely to address it. And that was certainly the case for us. And I think also, too, when you're approaching a manager of a building about any issue, at the time, we weren't a smoke-free building. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't tell people to stop smoking in their units. And I think the residents that did approach me and introduce me to the Clean Air Council, I think they understood that. And echoing what Kathy said earlier, they were pretty kind about it. So I wanted to work with them and help find a solution. If they hadn't approached me in a logical and kind way, I don't know if I would have been as open. If they were just upset with me and angry with me, we might not be sitting here today, actually. So for our listeners, logical solutions, kindness, and connect them with resources. Well, Kathy and Catherine, thank you so much for this educational conversation today on smoke-free multi-unit housing. Do you have any last words for our listeners? I would add to be proactive, to look ahead, try to anticipate people's needs, anticipate if they're unable to smoke here, then where? If they're unable to smoke now, then when? Or why would they need to smoke outside of the building? How does it benefit them in addition to the other residents? Just keep looking ahead for those things that might bubble up to the surface because you're not going to hit all of them from the start. But if you can hit a lot of them from the beginning, I think it goes a long way to all of your residents to see that you're approaching this from a caring perspective and you're looking out for the community's well-being. I agree. Definitely seeking creative and open-minded solutions. It won't be as hard of a process as you think it might be. Well, that's wonderful to hear. You guys have been super inspiring. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. It was really nice to be here. To learn more about this work and find out how your apartment building can go smoke-free, our Smoke-Free Tobacco Work website will be linked in the show notes. If you're concerned about secondhand smoke or your indoor air quality, visit cleanair.org and reach out to us. We're happy to help. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to On Air with Clean Air Council. If you are learning from our podcast and like what you hear, please send this episode to your friends and family. And check out our previous episodes of On Air with Clean Air Council, where we discuss other topics related to air quality and climate change. To support our work, please consider becoming a member at cleanair.org backslash donate. You can also follow us on social media at Clean Air Council on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.